are now listening to Wisdom from North podcast with me, Jannike Einias. Here I will explore topics such as metaphysics, spirituality, personal growth, and in general, how we can create good lives for ourselves. My intention is to find some answers, but perhaps more importantly, finding new questions to ask, because there is always something new to discover in this wonderful universe that we live in. In Wisdom from North, we're passionate about helping you take your spiritual growth to that next level. That's why we are collaborating with some amazing spiritual teachers and partners who offer free webinars and classes. Go to wisdomfromnorth.com forward slash free. Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to the guests and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of Wisdom from North or any entities they may represent. Now, please enjoy the episode. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello, Christian. A warm welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. <laughs> you know, I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time because I discovered you on YouTube. I listened to your story and somehow it just felt like it healed me. And then I read your book, uh, A Walk in the Physical, which inspired me so much. I, I cannot explain. I was sitting on the airplane on my way to Athens and it was like my vibration just was up there that I was like vibing so high. I don't know. It just resonated so much with me. And also your story, uh, which is really unique. Like I haven't heard that I like I've, I've interviewed many people around their near-death experiences and um, uh, they've been channeling and stuff like that but I've never interviewed someone who really remembers uh, the choices they made of coming down to this planet and there's so much we could speak about today and I'm really uh, curious to see you know where we're led to go today but I would really love for you to share your story of how you remember your uh, 
state of being or existence before this life as Christian that you have today? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to share. I'll do what I can. Um, before I do, I, I, I have to disclaim first that language cannot possibly speak to our higher natures or the larger spiritual context from which we come. You know, our language is earthly form, earthly symbols based in limitations that exist on earth that are not fundamental to other reality systems. <laughs> so I'm happy to share and try to use language, but you know, the moment we open our mouths and try to speak to this is just wrong. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I, I will share my experience to the best of my ability. Please do interrupt um, if you'd like. So I remember long ago before I had ever been physical and I say long ago, but this is also, so these mem memories feel like millions of years old, but they also feel like they're alive right now. So it's it's like super ancient and super personal, but also like a living state. I remember coming across this being who had been physical and feeling from this being the quality of his his nature, his essence. This is very hard to describe, but it's like those environments are telepathic. Most most higher reality systems have you know we we sense and feel our connection with each other, and we can share telepathically and feel what the other person is and what they're feeling and and i i expressed to him my goodness like what could you possibly have done to be this you know because i felt so much power and joy and freedom in this being he was just he was amazing and he shared with me what among, he shared with me several things but among what he shared with me was that he had lived a, a physical life and in this physical life he had dealt with chronic health pain, chronic health condition, some kind of pain that lasted with him for years, like a long period of time. And the quality of being with which he met that experience allowed a refinement of his being, his, his nature, his essence. And I remember asking him, like, were you healed? <laughs> because I could feel like how deeply he had been damaged, apparently damaged in this physical experience. And he shared, yes, he had been healed. I could feel the depth of the healing that he had experienced. And I said, I want to do that. I'm going to do that. I want to do that. You know, and I was like, just very inspired and persistent. And, you know, he, I, I don't, this, these words sound bad, but it was kind of like he brushed me off, you know, like in a playful way, but not negative way, but like, yeah, that's what they all say. Like, basically you don't understand, you don't have experiential understanding for how hard it can be. But I was persistent. I said, no, I'm, I want to do it. I'm, I am going to do it. And so he said, well, go talk to your guides. So what were you then? It seems like you were aware that there was something that was called healing. Because from what I understand, and I've read your book, you mm -hmm. were sort of in peace and harmony and part of the creation and consciousness. But yet you knew that there was something to heal. Okay, so yeah, so it's true that I was one with all and it, it's not just a state of simplicity. And in this moment, I was moving with this being and hundreds of other beings across a what we would describe as like a landscape of light, and we were all going to do a shared activity. And I don't remember what that activity was, but I remember feeling the quality coming off of this being. So you could say we're like beings of light. I mean, that's a very crude and oversimplified way to put it. And there are many different reality systems, so I don't want to confuse, you know, that state, that reality system with like the ultimate, you know, fundamental state of being. 
the fundamental nature of what we are is consciousness itself, which transcends all all description, all limitation, but we shine through various reality systems of various levels of complexity or difficulty. So anyway, in this experience, yes, I could feel from this being like what he was and how much joy and like power and freedom he knew and he was and he contained. I don't know if that's the right word um, because his nature and my nature are shared. Like we can feel that connectedness, that oneness. Like you're, you yourself, you're individuated, but you're also one with the whole. Like you, in, in many of these higher systems, you also know, like, uh, how do I describe this? Like even the environment outside of you, if it's a visual experience, you don't need to have a visual experience, but if it's a visual experience and you're seeing like a landscape, you can feel that that landscape is within you and you're connected to it and you're a part of it. You don't, you know that you're not separate from it, even though you're yourself. Um, so I don't know if that, that spoke to your question absolutely uh i know there's so much to this story uh yeah so please go on okay so i don't have right after that but i remember going and finding this being again later after i had been physical <laughs> like i had had many physical experiences and coming and finding him and sharing with him that i was on this path like i was doing it and he was very encouraging okay so there the majority of my pre-birth memory is of a, a time and again, time is difficult to speak to, but what we would say is a time somewhat immediately preceding this physical life where I had taken a long break. <laughs> I remember this guide coming to me over and over again and asking, are you ready to go back yet? Are you ready to go back yet? And just kind of like getting my attention over and over, just like a gentle nudge repeatedly asking, are you ready to return and, and saying, no, I'm not ready to go back yet. I'm not ready yet. And finally being like, okay, I'm ready to go back. And then reviewing with this guide, what I can only describe as, uh, this is so hard to describe, but like my state, my, my, um, like who I am, who I was, what I had experienced. And I could see and feel and know like all these different types of experiences I had had and qualities, you could say, that I understood that I had, I don't want to use the word developed, but like, um, you know, aspects of being that I understood and had mastered versus other ones I had not. <laughs> and there was this one specific vibration that was just like a huge, for lack of a better word, weak spot. I, I don't really want to put it that way because this, there's, we are not weak, you know, as souls, there's no weakness, there's no, there's nothing lacking. But I could still see this one specific fear that had bested me in a previous experience. It was a certain negative vibration, like a negative self-perception, a certain type of fear that I had engaged and it had overcome me in a previous experience. And it was like a very weak leg, you could say, that, that I needed to walk on. Not need to, but it would be beneficial for me to, uh, to engage. And, and so it was obvious what I needed to do. But it was also like I could see even from there that the vibrational distance of this specific fear that I had experienced and that was within me was so low, <laughs> like so extreme in a certain way. And I was like, is it even possible to integrate, you know, to process a fear that's this low? And my guide shared with me, yes. And you have all of time available to you to do so. Like it was just I knew that um, this is hard to explain, but like there wasn't a limitation on my being. So 
and it had been there had been beings who had engaged vibrations this low and and succeeded and i knew if it's even possible i will do it like i just it sounds so strange to me as the human you know because i've experienced deep trauma and pain but from that perspective i you know i know i knew and i know now you know what what we are we can't be harmed we are immortal spirit that's what we that's our true nature it, it can't truly fail or be thwarted and I just had this incredible excitement, you know, like, oh, I, I will do that. I'm so excited to do that. So they brought me a lifetime that was very appropriate or a very good match for that intention to meet that low vibration of fear. And it wasn't this lifetime. It was like an immediately preceding life. I remember reviewing that life, re reviewing a, a detailed plan of that life and then accepting that life and then accepting what we call the veil. Uh, which is just a word, but it means the constraints in consciousness space that consciousness wears, adopts, takes on in order to have the physical experience. So the way I experienced it was like a plummet in vibration, down, 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 lower, 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 all the way down, lower, lower, lower. It's like I, I like to describe if you take like a, a pitch producing device, like a sound amplifier, and it, it's making a high pitch, and then you turn down the knob. And then when you get to the bottom, you turn it down some more, and then more, and then more, 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 and then crank it down some more, 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 more. <laughs> That's what it felt like in the body of my awareness, vibrationally, to plummet down, 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 down into this incarnated state. And as that happened, all of my knowing disappeared. All of my all of my knowing was cut off, and my memory, and like it felt like I I lost all that I am. And so I arrived at this place that was so low vibration, so dark, so limited that within moments I responded in fear. I was like, ah, I am not doing this. There's no way that I'm going to tolerate a lifetime of this. So I summoned my might, my strength, and I fought my way out. I pushed my way out past the veil. And I was successful in doing that. Um, I... I immediately became aware that I had killed the body that was to be mine, the fetus, before it had even been born. And I had a life review for that very, very short life. And I could see how my fear had impacted the mother by heaping grief upon her. And not only the mother, but I could see like ripples in a pond, hundreds of other people whose lives were made more difficult because of my fear. You know, and it, it was like, See, from that side, you know that it's okay. Like, the, there's nothing truly wrong. <laughs> it's just a play. But I could see very objectively, like, oh, man, like, <laughs> I got a lot of fear. I got to do something about this. So I maintained the intention to, to engage this fear. And I spent some time um, in what I've called a veil acceptance simulator. I know, <laughs> I know this sounds kind of wild, but... There's like a room where you go and they they put a mock veil over you and you practice surrendering to it. Metaphorically, it was like being dunked underneath the dark water of a swimming pool and then holding your breath and seeing how long you can hold your breath and then you can cry uncle if you want to get out, you know, and they'll let you out. Um, so I did that for a while to practice allowing sufficiently so that my I wouldn't repeat this, um, you know, this... Uh, I don't want to use the word failure, but repeat this event of canceling and ending a life prematurely. So then after a while, they brought me this life. 
as Christian. And I remember reviewing this life in incredible detail. I remember reviewing what I can only describe as like a flow chart, a huge flow chart that had millions and millions and millions of possibilities of how the life might actualize. So it's like if, if you took a tree and laid it on its side and started at the thick part of the trunk and worked your way out to the branches, it was like that. Um, and there were events in it, but it wasn't focused on, you know, physical earthly events. It was more focused on what it would be like to be me, <laughs> what it would be like to have the actual experience from the vantage point of Christian, the human being Christian. And I could see that certain things were more likely and certain things were less likely. And I could see that it was very likely that a trauma would arise in my 20s that would crush me and give me the chance to re-experience this fear that I came to experience. And I was very excited. <laughs> Even though, you know, when that happened here in my life, it did actualize. I had a, uh, a traumatic health experience in Chengdu, China. And uh, it took me years to recover. I had post-traumatic stress and, you know, worked through that over years of counseling. So I do not make light of the depth of the difficulty and the, the rigor of the challenge that we might actually experience here. <laughs> you know, but from that perspective, I could see the opportunity. Like the opportunity was just astronomically huge. If I could meet this experience and really process that fear, really integrate that experience, really bring love into it, really find joy and peace even here, even in the midst of that, that vibrational location, I just knew that it would enable a profound expansion of not only myself, but the whole, you know, because I'm a part of the whole and the whole actually learns to uh, maybe learn is a bad word. The whole, ex there's a, an expansive process happening. And I knew that by integrating the sphere, I was participating not only in my personal expansion, but the expansion of all that is. And I was so excited. And I remember asking questions about the life. I made certain requests. Like, for instance, I remember knowing that I had been intelligent in recent lives. And I asked if I could do that again, if I could be intelligent. And they said, yes, you could do that. And I knew that it would be important that I be male in this life. So it, not, that, not that men have any, you know, it's just different qualities of being. You know, the masculine and the feminine energy is just a different angle. And I just knew that the masculine angle had some, um, there was some use for that in order for me to meet this fear. And I also knew that my father in this lifetime would instill confidence in me and that he would really like keep me very strong in that, in that area of confidence so that that wouldn't be an issue. You know, I knew that that would be helpful so that I would have a rock to stand on, so to speak, to meet the fear and that my mother would be very loving. And so, okay, so then... I remember there having to be a moment to say yes, and I don't remember that moment, but I do remember being in like this waiting area, and then this guide coming to me all of a sudden like, go now, like grabbing my attention as if he grabbed my shoulders and just like, you know, gave me a really mighty shove, and I'm like, oh, okay, now, <laughs> like you got to get on earth time now kind of thing, and then being in this room that I can only describe as a mechanics shop or a tech, uh, like a technician's chamber and it was like a it was like this circular room over the earth i could see a shaft below me and the earth was below and there were these beings there that i can only describe as technicians or tinkers tinker is probably a good english word for like the feeling of them 
and they're these very mechanically skilled, you could say, energetic, energetic mechanics, <laughs> skilled in that way for applying the veil. Like they're the veil, they're like veil technicians or something. And I remember being over this shaft and them asking me, Are you sure? You know, you want to do this? Because I knew once I said yes, I knew I was strapped in, I was in for the ride, you know, like getting on a roller coaster, like you can't get off until the roller coaster comes to a complete stop, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I said yes. And then I remember that plummet in vibration down, 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 lower, 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 even lower, more, 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 lower, 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 <laughs> once again. But this time, I just focused on not fighting it. You know, it was just, I was focused on surrendering to the veil and letting it take hold of me and letting it do what it would do. And then after a while, feeling, being in this place that I can only describe like the vacuum of space, you know, in the womb, like it's um, just so dense and dark and obscured. And I remember from that place, sending one message back to the technicians, did it take, you know, did the veil take, and then getting one message back, yes. And I felt really accomplished, actually, because I knew that even making it to the physical, even achieving the locate, you know, the vibrational state of being physical was an accomplishment. And I was like, okay, I'm here. And it was, it was like, oh, that's, that's wonderful. But then after not too long, my fear began to arise once again, because I was so limited. It, this place, it was so dark. You know, my knowing was cut off. It felt like I had lost all that I am. And so I began once again to summon my might, my strength to fight my way out and reject the experience once again. As I did that, the most holy moment in my entire earthly life happened. The spirit of God, what we call God, the source, the the, that which is beyond all description, the profound, powerful, potent I am of all came to me and expanded me back out. And I felt all of the universe within me. I felt all the galaxies, all the stars. I felt them all within my body. I felt all that I am. And I felt our sun, Earth's sun, and I felt its churning bliss. It had this like raging bliss is the word I would describe, just like fiery bliss. And God said to me, this is still what you are. You can never not be this. And it was such a holy moment. And I, I just thought to myself, well, that's amazing. That's wonderful. I don't have to fight, <laughs> you know, because it was so relieving. I was like, oh my gosh, I can let go. And I let go and just surrendered into being in the womb because I knew it. if I hadn't lost all that I am, that I didn't need to fight. So then I was in the womb for a while. It felt like a long while. And then the next memory I have is of the day I was born. I remember the sensory experience, just cold shock, touching light. I remember looking up at the nurses and, and having absolutely no idea what was going on, just being so confused and not understanding what were these shapes, what were these beings that were taking care of me. I knew they were some kind of living being, but I didn't understand. But I felt love for them, actually. I felt love for the nurses. And I remember just being super intensely curious. And it's funny because I shared this memory much later with my father. And he said, when I was born, my eyes were wide open. And I was looking at everything with the most intense curiosity he had ever seen. <laughs> and I, I remember that. I remember being so curious about what is happening here. 
So I don't have much after that, you know, but once I got a little uh, bigger, I remember drawing upon these pre-birth memories in this flow chart and like trying to just to like predict what was going to happen <laughs> with simple things. Like I remember wondering, you know, is, is a is our neighbor neighborhood friend, our next door neighbor, are they going to come over? Like I'm talking when I was maybe three or four or something, are they going to come over today? You know, just as an example and getting an answer because I was checking the flow chart about the likelihood. And, but I had certain expectations for how life on earth would be based on what I remembered from the higher realms, because I assumed that life here would be like there. For instance, I assumed, assumed that we would be able to feel each other's emotions here telepathically. And one time a neighbor friend was over. I was, I remember being in a diaper and standing at this, this little couch, um, like sofa thing and telling the neighbor, and there was this music on in the background. There was someone my father was playing this song on the radio, on the uh, record player. I even remember the song. And I remember telling the neighborhood friend, watch me dance. And I remember shaking my little tush in my diaper and feeling really funky with the music. And she just walked away unimpressed. And, you know, and when she did, I was like, oh my gosh, it occurred to me, she can't feel what I'm feeling. <laughs> and when that occurred to me, I was like, all of a sudden, I felt like I was in a very alien world. Like, what the heck is this place that we can't feel each other's emotions? What is going on? <laughs> anyway, so that's just a, a, a summary, but yeah. Oh my goodness. This is so fascinating. And I have so many questions. Okay. So where to start? Um, okay. This veil, why do you think you remember? I mean, you did say that, did it stick or something like that? Did the veil stick? But then you remember. So have you remembered this your whole life? Or no. All right. Yeah. So I, I guess I should have included that. I'm sorry. Yeah. So when I was a small child, I remembered, but the age, the memory left me completely by the age of five or six. And I had no memory of it at all until the age of 30. My body is 43 right now. It's about 13 years ago. It returned spontaneously after I took up a meditation practice. And after I gained a, a deep familiarity with my awareness itself, just as it exists beneath all the thinking and stories and all the association, the form association, then the memory just like was there. It, and it was even more real than this, than any earthly memory. And it was so obvious. It was like the most obvious, normal, you know, normal thing. <laughs> so why do you think that you particularly are remembering and not me, for instance, and all the other Yes. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not special, I, but I will say that in my pre-birth planning, I did ask to have a small, to keep a small amount of memory. And they said that I could do that, but that it would make this life more difficult. And I could feel from that perspective, why it's because the contrast between there and here would be even greater, you know, because if you have any glimmer of what home is like, the, the foreignness of and the alienness of this state of being can become so painful that it can become intolerable. You know, a lot of near-death experiencers describe that very painful homesickness. Well, I, I feel that for sure. And that, so in a, in a sense, the veil protects us because <laughs> it, it prevents that really deep homesickness. But anyway, I don't consider myself special at, at all because we all, we all are our deeper selves. We all are our, our higher selves. It's just that we've agreed to be veiled for a duration for, for purposes of expansion. 
You know, we, we've come to have the human experience and that means signing up for complete immersion as complete as we can get. <laughs> and, but despite the fact that it's very complete immersion, we've all made a similar choice and a similar journey, even if we don't remember it. Um, when you forgot about the truth of who you were, were you an atheist then, or did you have some sort of uh, spiritual belief? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So, I mean, uh, as I aged, my parents took me to a Lutheran church and I, I always sensed there's something spiritual going on. I, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something going, <laughs> you know, we all feel it to one degree or another. So for a long time, I understood the world through a Lutheran lens and I had very traditional, you know, Protestant Christian beliefs. In fact, I even considered going to seminary in my 20s. Um, it, even then, though, I just felt like I can't put God in a box. This is not, even though that's a, not a very small box, <laughs> I still didn't feel comfortable, uh, you know, completely committing to some kind of a structure, a, a, a limitation system, you could say. But I did believe, I did have Christian, you know, Lutheran mainstream beliefs for a long time. And a part of my early awakening process, I began to have out-of-body experiences. Oh. And I began to, um, you know, experience in deeper aspect who I really am. And when I did, I, I it took a lot of humility to first acknowledge all that I didn't know. You know, because belief in something to feel better, you know, is easy. It's hard to re recognize, oh man, I really don't know. And there's, there's so much that like, you have to be willing to, you have to be very courageous actually. And it's very humbling to drop an old belief system that you thought had all the answers that, cause that, you know, that was very helpful to the ego actually to help provide the answers. But, um, I had to let that go. And, um, another thing I had to let go just as an example on that same vein, you know, I used to really trust in human understanding and in my intellect. You know, I'd done all these things in my human life that on the human level seemed like accomplishments. Well, I realized, you know, my intellectual ability what, what meant almost nothing. <laughs> well, what's important is love. The quality of being with which we meet this experience, that then works with and shines through an intellectual context. It can use intellect you know, fear or love can use, you know, the content of intellect. So anyway, I had to go through significant personal um, shifts and it did very much affect those around me as well. Yeah, yeah I can imagine that, you know, uh, it is a big deal all of a sudden believing in something and then it all shifts. And because we are so in our heads about uh, uh, what we believe in. I mean, that's how we run our lives, what we act uh, after and why we do certain things is because we believe certain things. So, uh, but I assume that it must have also been an amazing experience. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, I, I, oh <laughs> I just wanted to, I I was so excited to tell people that we are multidimensional beings having a human right. experience. Like, I can't tell you, Like, I, and I, I shared this in other videos, but I, I said to my wife, it sounds so silly, you know, now that I, now that I say this, and I know this isn't the way to reach people, but just as an example of how excited I was, I actually told my wife, I'm going to make flyers and I'm going <laughs> to put them in people's mailboxes. And the flyers are going to say, you're a multidimensional being having human experience and you have nothing to fear. There's nothing to be afraid of. And, and you can live a life of love and joy. And I just wanted to like go and put the, and my wife's like, yeah, you're going to be that guy if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll be that guy. So I, of course I did not end up doing it. I only considered that for a few minutes, but I'm just saying that I was so excited. I just wanted to tell people 
and what was really interesting to me, you know, I was always the Christian guy, you know, like I was very active in my church and I was an assistant minister for like 20 years in my church. I taught confirmation class. I was on the church council. And, and so I found that, you know, when I shared what I experienced, which was a, a, an opening towards unconditional love, like an expansion of uh, truly good news that there is nothing to fear and we cannot fail, you know, but it was interesting because I would share that with some, you know, I, I knew that still retained, you know, a belief structure that was closer to my old one. And it was not well received <laughs> in general. Yeah. I actually had sort of the same experience. I, uh, the first times I was out of my body or actually the first time I really had a, a great experience out of my body, yeah. I woke up and I ran out on the street and I was like, I want to tell somebody. Exactly. <laughs> reality out there i totally get it no i'm not going to do that (laughs) i totally get it that's exactly how i felt and then it's like but people need to know this like yeah this is important stuff and because those experiences what i think what a lot of people who don't remember experiencing that i mean we all do experience it we just typically don't remember it it's so real you know it's so so real it's not a dream it's actually more lucid, more real, more visceral, more tangible, more physical, actually, than the physical experience. You know, so when you come back, it's like so self-evidently real <laughs> that you just want to tell people, you know, it's amazing. I'd love to go into that because I'm so curious about, you know, again, I have to say where we really come from because I don't know how to explain it, you know, with my limited words and understanding. Um, because you mentioned so many details, like you were planning your life, uh, this flow chart of a million of possibilities. So in this room, I mean... Hmm. Is there are there rooms and how did it look like and wh- who were these guides? If you can just sort of give us a picture of some of the memory, how it looks like there and what kind of guides you were hanging out with and who are they? Let me just say this. So if you were to ask someone who's never been to Earth, what does Earth look like? You know, like, okay, well, first of all, they've never been there, so they can't even imagine what you're about to tell them. <laughs> There's <laughs> no language for it. And secondly, Earth has a lot of different contexts, a lot of different places, a lot of different potential situations. You know, it's, and, and these systems that I'm referring to are much less constrained. So they have far more potential of states of being and of experience than what we commonly experience on Earth. Earth is a very dense and limited experience by comparison. Okay, so on Earth, we experience an external environment with places. <laughs> You know, so we think reality is made of places. So I want to know what that place is like. And that's fine. That's an okay question because there are there are the experience of places, but it's far more than that. So I can just like share a couple small details. Okay, so when I was in the state before the guide came to me to ask if I was ready to go back yet, I remember being in a realm of living golden light. And my being was connected to it. And, you know, so then you say, what were you doing in in the realm of light? Well, the only word I can think of in English is like frolicking, (laughs) just a joyful churning and expression of being and reaching out to places telepathically and instantaneously and then going and engaging in different things. But see, all time is also happening in one now. So it's, it's far less limited. 
but then when the guide came and got to my attention, it wasn't like on earth, like he had to walk up and like, I had to see a face and then he had to say some words. That's not necessary at all because we're all connected. So there's this mental telepathic bridge and he just came, visited me and I knew he was visiting me, even though I didn't need a visual experience for it. So I don't know if, if that helps. Um, different environments have, so, okay. So the other thing is, um, these higher environments communicate, okay. Thought responsive environments tend to communicate to the individual in the experience language of the individual. So if you're a human, if you're, so the, if the human portion of you engages a non-physical environment, a thought responsive environment, that environment may look like objects that you recognize to incredible detail. I'm not saying like they're amorphous, like I'm talking like scratches in the table, you know, level physicality to them, but in the symbolism and in the objects that mean something to you. Um, so one thing that comes to mind is an example, and, and this is not an example, I don't have many examples of this, but sometimes when I have non-physical experiences, I like to try to uh, prove it the next day. So if I'm interacting with somebody I know who is physically alive, I like to try to validate and verify that that interaction happened the, ne the next day, if I can, in the physical. And so one time, and this is the only time I was able to do this, at least so far, um, this woman who I'm close to, she she ran a mediumship circle that I was a part of, and her and I were close. And we had had a, a non-physical experience together previously, spontaneously. So we set aside the, the intention to lay down, to actually to get up at five in the morning, go back to sleep, and then while asleep to try to meet non-physically and see if we can intentionally have an experience. And I feel that we were able to have that experience and verify it because we both saw an environment that had incredible similarities to it. What I saw was a restaurant that looked like an old 1930s McDonald's and an old car that was probably from like the teen, you know, 19 teens. And, but more than the visual, there was a feeling, you know, because there's a lot of uh, feeling is a, uh, a lot of feeling language you could say. So I described what I felt and saw to her, and she described that she was attempting to bring in an energy like that. And she saw a restaurant from like the 60s and a car from like the 40s, and it was a different color. <laughs> but it, we both saw very similar objects, and they meant something to each of us in a way that was more closely resembling whatever the message of that environment was. So that's a very simple example. Here, Another example I can think of is one time I was out of body, and I began to my attention began to drift to my earthly thinking and concerns. And I began to think about work actually while I was there. And suddenly I felt very trapped. Actually, let me rephrase. Suddenly I felt a little bit trapped, but because I was focused on the perception of being trapped, the environment I was in immediately became a dark prison cell with bars, rusty bars that had a physicality to them. And I realized, oh, I haven't gone to a place called a prison. I man instantly manifested a prison because of the, the state of the vibration that I was, you know, um, entertaining. And see, we actually are all doing that all the time. <laughs> it's just we don't know it. You know, here in the physical, it's a lot slower. It's a lot slower to manifest. But we're all actually wielding that creative power with our intention and belief and expectation all the time which has a tangent, tangential comment, but it's important, which is one of the reasons why it's so important that we face our fear 
and that we remind each other of the truth of the fearlessness of our being. <laughs> you know, because if we remember we are truly free, joyful, powerful, loving beings, and we have nothing to be afraid of, as we get in touch with that, we are then better able to actualize that in our local environment. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I went down a long path there. I hope I hope that spoke to your question. Oh yeah, you explain it so well, and I love that, especially being Norwegian. I'm like, oh, you have so many great English words that I I understand them, but I can't, you know, uh, yeah. find them myself. Wow. Um, all right. So, so okay, law of attraction. So you would say that's very real. Yeah, I think we tend to dumb it down. We we tend oh. to oversimplify it. Uh, so basically, okay, consciousness is the substance that is. So what I mean is the stuff that's the most real is spirit itself, consciousness itself. That's like the substrate of existence. And consciousness does then then what ha what happens is consciousness moves. It does something, and that doing I, I use the word intention. That just means the consciousness intends something. It moves in a direction. It it it, it seeks to do something or make some choice. Okay, the reason I start with that is because intention is at the root of manifestation. And so really you could compare us. So sometimes when people think of law of attraction, they think, okay, I want a new car. So if I sit here and think, I want, I'm gonna, I want a new car, I will get a new car. Well, it, it's not really that the universe is listening to your surface level thought, I want a new car. What, what the universe is listening to is your intention the quality of being with which you are being. So if you're seeking a new car, maybe what you're really saying underneath it is, I'm afraid I won't have a ride. So I want a new car. <laughs> you know, so the universe is hearing the pitch of I'm afraid I won't have a ride. And that's why processing fear is first. Because then as we process fear, we open up the opportunity for uh, much more loving and joyful expressions. So you might say that we're like sound boards that are producing, because it's not just one pitch, you know, we're producing, you could say like hundreds of pitches all the time, based on our intention, our beliefs, our expectations. And the universe is hearing them all. And it's responding to not only your pitches, but the pitches of every other participant in the game, which, and there's a lot of them, <laughs> but a focused, clear being level, deep, that means deep intention, is a lot more powerful, a lot more effective than a surface level thought muttering. 
you know, if you're just going to sit there and just kind of mutter like a, a weak, you know, comment, that's not, that's not, that doesn't really have the oomph to, to cause an effect, especially in the physical, because, because the physical is so slow and dense by comparison. But if you're truly clear and, um, especially if your intention is of love, you know, because that's love is the true power. It's, it's reflective of the unity of being. So if we can really clear out all the crap and really bring forth a, a, an intention of love and peace just in this moment in whatever way, wow, that is powerful stuff. It has a manifestation uh, potency that is much greater than actually many many people who are not awake and who are you know not purposefully using that intention so just some comments on what we what we typically call a law of attraction yeah very interesting and I'd, I'd love to share uh my thoughts on it and then you can uh you know play the tennis ball back and uh see if i'm on the right track uh because when i'm thinking about law of attraction and manifesting i often feel that my or uh, people's traumas are coming up. Like a, a couple now is trying to sell their apartment mm -hmm. and they've had so much trouble selling apartments before. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's difficult times, but still uh, I don't have problems with that. I've always had flow in apartment buying and uh, selling my apartment. So it seems like I don't have so much resistance there, but it seems like they have, and now they're in totally interfere. And I'm like, you got to manifest it. But as I was saying that, I just felt it's not so easy for them because they have so many experiences with not being able to sell their apartment. And each time they get into fear and they get into yeah. trouble uh, with those who are buying, there's always an issue with selling and buying apartments for that couple. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're so talking about you know, meeting their fear. Is it the fear that's their problem or is it that they have so many experiences that it becomes a belief for them that is very yeah. hard to sell an apartment for the price they actually need and sure. want? Yeah, great question. So um, first of all, before I comment to the question at hand, it's not, it's not that every single thing in our lives is always a direct representation of just our intention. You know, of course, there are many different players in the game. All the laws of physics work. <laughs> There's rules as to how the physical unfolds. So we might nudge the probabilities of something that might happen a lot, you know, and maybe it moves from a one in a thousand chance to a one in 10 chance, and it still doesn't happen. I'm just, I'm using simple language, but I'm just pointing out that it's, it's not just like a clear one-to-one, -one, you know, there's a lot of energy at work and a lot of, um, and the divine laws at work are very effective. So just a context for the comment. Okay, so we do get what we expect and believe. You get what you expect might be a simple way to talk about manifestation. <laughs> okay, so so like you said in the example, so fear is difficult for us to work. So fear is another word for yet unevolvedness. It's just another way to say it's something that we haven't yet integrated. And one of the great values of the physical is that it, you get what you fear. <laughs> so oh, I, 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 I don't mean, I don't mean, no, no, but that's not a negative. No, this is the place we come where we get so uh, committed into. I don't want to use the word bound because we're never actually truly bound into the physical. It's just that when we do that, so that we have the unrelenting opportunity, the unrelenting chance 
to face and process and integrate that which we haven't done yet. So if there is a primary fear that, it, that you're here to deal with, then it tends to keep rising back up into your experience. Maybe it's a fear of powerlessness. Maybe it's a fear of um, not being worthy of love through relationship. You know, whatever, whatever the rejection is, and it's not a negative that it keeps rising up. It's that you're afraid of it. So you're putting a lot of energy into it by resisting it. So you think you're trying to get away from it, but it's like building up a dam and then putting your energy in the dam throughout your whole life. Well, that's creating an effect <laughs> because there's a cause and effect in all of our intentions and all of our thoughts and all of our um, you know, association with form. So then it keeps coming up so that we have the opportunity to face it. You know, in my case, the fear that I came to process is very, very deep and, and very personal. And I may deal with challenges that nobody else deals with <laughs> because it's helpful, actually, so that I can meet this fear and have the opportunity to really get into it and to really experience it. And then once we do that, the dam is we break the dam and the and the flow of life opens up once again actually even in greater measure you know because now we're not resisting life basically we never have to be afraid of life or what's in life we can say yes to life no matter what's arising i know that's not easy but if we say yes to everything that is arising life can actually flow through us and show us where our own resistances are we're actually deeper than consciousness is deeper than all those hangups in life that we think need to be blocked off and, and that we need to run away from. And until we know that, until we experience it and really process it and really grow in due measure, we'll keep blocking them. You know, and because we've blocked them, the universe might just keep giving us nudges to help us process. But it's not a, it's not a negative masochistic system or something. It's, it's actually a very loving and intelligent system. And it tends to unfold and arise as it's beneficial for us to deal with. You know, not always, but many, in many cases, the challenges that arise, arise at profitable moments, you could say, moments when we're in a position where we can actually utilize the experience and respond to it and, and grow from it. So would you say that um, a way to manifest could be to really go into acceptance, like Matt yeah. Kahn speaks about loving what is. So if you're afraid of not being lovable, like you said, or being alone, yeah. maybe, you know, moving into surrender. Uh, I, that's the situation that is yeah. right oh, now. Oh, I gotta say something. Yeah, I gotta say something. This is, this is, uh, this is important. Yes, absolutely. Acceptance opens the, opens the flow and is the power. Okay, but acceptance doesn't mean, oh my gosh, I don't actually want to be alone, so I'm going to accept this because I want to escape it. That's not acceptance. So what, so what I mean is acceptance is actually feeling what you're feeling all the way. Not running away from it, not trying to create a different outcome. Honoring yourself 100%. I feel this way. I have this legitimate feeling. This is exactly how I feel. And spending time with the feeling rather than resisting it or trying to push it away, go, go find it as it arises, just however it arises in this moment. Um, so as an example, you know, if I might experience an anxiety that might arise from tra traveling is very difficult for me. And I had my traumatic experience happen during travel. So historically, I've had anxiety around the you know, the process of traveling, though that's healed so much. So, but now if I have an experience where I feel that rise up, like it might arise in my diaphragm, I feel a sensation of negative, you know, like an anxiety, 
then I can just look at it and say, okay, thank you. Almost thank you for, for coming, you know, show me where is my resistance? Where, what am I afraid of? And if you're really willing to feel into yourself, you'll usually find some pretty dark, nasty, scary gunk in there. <laughs> but then the question is, what do you do with it? You're not, you don't have to solve it and, and, and fix it. Rather, it's asking for you to go see it, to go feel it, to go allow yourself to be vulnerable, to feel the aloneness or the powerlessness or whatever it is. Go, go towards it without, without requiring it to leave. It's like, it's like a messenger. Anxiety and fear, you could say, is like a messenger that arrives at your door. And so often we open the door and we're like, ah, I don't like that and close the door. And then the next time it comes back and it knocks a little harder and then you open the door and you're out. Oh, nope. And you close the door. Well, you can't, it's not going to go away. I mean, I don't mean to oversimplify in this, this is a simple metaphor, but generally speaking, it won't go away until you open the door, welcome it in, come sit in the living room. And I would like to feel exactly why, what are you, what's the message you're delivering to me? Okay. This is important. This is the important thing at the root the message that the fear is delivering to you is a negative self-perception that is not in alignment with the truth that you've bought into, that you think life has proven to you. So for instance, if you think, if you're afraid of being powerless, that is not in alignment with the truth of who you really are. You are a powerful, immortal, multidimensional being. You can't be powerless, but you can experience fear when you associate with powerlessness because that's not native. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't like that. Go into it and explore it because at the depth of it, you will find you are powerful. Or if your fear is um, unworthy, you know, being unworthy, uh, shameful, shame, unworthy of love. That is not true. You're so incredibly precious and worthy and worthy to be loved by all of creation. <laughs> but when, you, so then when you feel unworthy, it can prompt fear because I don't like that. That's not who I am. You're, it's not who you are. But what, has the illusion seemed to prove to you, you know, what fear has it allowed that you can then go into and feel and process and integrate. And as you do this, you don't have to do it all at once. You just meet the present moment. That's the key. The thing that you think you're missing, you're not missing. Um, so the law of attraction is like realizing because until you know that you're not missing it, you're associated with missing it. You're associated with the lack. And so that's what is being focused on and created. But your true nature is not lacking at all. Does that mean also that you're never in the wrong place? It's always perfect where you are. No matter what's going on, it's, it's perfect. So in one, in one sense, yes. Uh, in another sense, I don't want to make it sound like the system is perfect because that's not true either. Hmm. Um, but... Um, that's really hard to talk about. Um, basically, the, the simplest way to put it would be yes. <laughs> you are exactly where you are, and there's reason for exactly where you are. And the divine laws that are at the root of all things are built on wisdom and love. And so things are all flowing according to those divine laws. Just put it that way. According to plan, but sometime the plan does. I didn't, I didn't say according to plan necessarily. 
Right, that's what I mean, maybe. But because I've read some book by, by Dolores Cannon where I got the understanding that sometimes like the spirits were saying, yeah, this is not sort of supposed to happen, but sometimes it happens. And I'm like, absolutely. The system, perfect. <laughs> no, okay. Okay, so yeah, so it's, it's not. <laughs> because, no, this is why though, the substance of the system, spirit itself is perfect. Okay, but it's engaging a non-native set of forms in order to expand itself. Okay, so then as it engages those that non-native state set of forms, there is it's committing into a circumstance set, into a constraint set. And so pre-life, when I looked at the flow chart, I could see all these probabilities because the system is really, really good at predicting outcome. But what but what is the thing that changes the outcome? free will <laughs> you get to make choices i get to make choices now the system knows us really well so it's pretty darn good at predicting the choices that we're likely to take but it is a novel system in fact this is really important actually the novelty of the physical the fact that novel outcomes can happen that means unanticipated outcomes can happen that is the value you see, because now you have a perfect all that is that knows all, but now it's engaging something it doesn't know what's going to happen. It doesn't understand what's going to happen. And it has to make choices and wield choices and see what the outcomes of those choices are. And then, oh, something surprising just happened. That's amazing. That's exciting. Now what are we going to do? And that process adds to all that is. You see that that novelty adds to all that is. So it's not perfect in that everything is preset. It's very, very good. But it's actually rather precious that all of us here on Earth are making choices from a place that we don't fully understand. We don't fully see. We're having to play on the fly, so to speak, and we're seeking. We're and then at the root of the whole game, we're trying to see if we can make choices that are more in alignment with love and our, with our true nature than fear, which is association with the non-native illusion and unevolvedness. We're trying to see if we can be loving even here. And we're trying to integrate these experiences, really come to terms with what is it like to be me? What is it like to be a father or a friend or a son or you know, a shopkeeper or a person playing in mud or someone who has broken their leg? What is it like to be that person and what choices do you make from it? That is the frontier of creation. Wow. Yeah. And I read in your book that, you know, part of what we're doing here uh, and how we're growing is by making these choices and expanding our, we're expanding by, uh, expanding our vocabulary. Uh, yeah. Experience, so experience vocabulary. Yeah. You could say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Destiny. So you, you speak about probabilities. You had millions, millions of probabilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a lot to choose from. I was thinking about that when you <laughs> you watched all these millions of possibilities. Well, it's not yeah. like I chose from them all. It's more like okay. I could see what was... I'm choosing now. You see, now I'm 43 years into the simulation. And after this, I get to decide, am I going to go down and make dinner? Am I going to go take my guinea pigs outside and put them in the lawn? Or am I going to go for a walk? <laughs> you know? But how, okay, how does destiny come into this? I'm, I'm curious about that. So I know you're married, right? So yes. 
do you have a soul contract then? Uh, is that something you remember that you had a soul contract that you were, you, you talked about your father, your mother. Mm -hmm. Did you also choose your spouse? Because it's, it seems easier to choose your mother and father. You know, they're ready to have a kid and you, you come down. Well, the, yeah, the mother and father are very close to the, the start point. <laughs> because right. they're generating the body. <laughs> but then life happens and people make their mm -hmm. free choices. So what if that mess messes up all the, the, the planning? Okay, so there's one concept that might help here. So when we set the plan at the beginning, we set key intentions. And the probabilities of the life tend to support those pre-life intentions. So in my case, my intention was to be physically crushed by illness and to experience this fear. I mean, it sounds, it sounds horrible to the human ego, but actually it's a wonderful opportunity. So it's, so what that means is since that was my intention, the circumstances of the life and body were likely, very likely to support that as manifesting in one way or another. And I could see it was very likely that by my early twenties, once the body got over, it's like, just over, just over the peak of its like biological growth, you know, <laughs> 22, that this would occur, that this would have happened to me. I could feel that from that point of view. Okay. As for like meeting my wife, I don't have any memory of that specifically. Um, but it's not that every single aspect of our lives is a primary part of the contract. It's more like the contract is a primary thing or things multiple it could be multiple things that we want to experience. And then the life tends to work more around those things. So if we come to be, so some people do come to play certain roles for each other, you know, to be in certain relationships. Well, then it's very likely not a hundred percent certain, never a hundred percent. It could be 99.999% might be 80. I don't know some likelihood that we will come across and, and meet that person and engage in a relationship with that person if that was beneficial to us. Often the people that we reincarnate with to re-experience relationship have been beneficial for our own growth in some way and we have a loving relationship with them already. So maybe we've already been parent and child or maybe we've already been spouses and you know now we want to experience each other from a different angle. Uh, that is something we often do. In my case, that was not a part of my pre-birth plan. I, I was coming to do something more personal when it came to engaging fear. That makes sense because I feel that from what I've learned that everything is very unique and special to the soul. Uh, that's probably why there's so many different stories and near-death experience stories and you know, soulmates and uh, twin souls. I feel like there are some who are very focused on that, who are maybe incarnating together again and again in mm -hmm. different. Yeah, you you believe that too, or yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, happens. Something. I mean, I think that a lot of times, um, you know, especially with romantic relationships, we tend to very quickly want to uh, you know identify the twin flame, the soulmate. I'm not making light of that. You know, sometimes that is the case. Um, it's just that yeah, if we pre-plan some kind of a relationship experience, it's likely that that will unfold, but it's not always, it's not always the case. I mean, we are all one. We're all connected to each other. We're all loving brothers and sisters. We're all family. Like every single person listening today, I'm, you and I are family. We just don't remember it. And we have varying de degrees of experience with each other. That's all beautiful. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. Okay. So can we take on too much? 
The short answer is yes. But the thing is, but the thing is, okay, so the guides are really good at working with us to try to bite off an optimal amount of sandwich. Okay. You know, because if it's too easy, there's not maybe as much opportunity for expansion and, and personal growth. But if it's too hard, it's just it's just gonna crush us. It's like you go down to, to lay on a weight bench, you don't start with 500 pounds. You know, you just, you don't do that. That's not going to be beneficial to you. It's only going to hurt. <laughs> you see? So, so the soul is kind of, I mean, it's a crude metaphor, but the soul is a little bit like that. Like it gains capability, depth of being, virtues, you could even say. It gains uh, experience in different avenues. And so then it wishes to expand in a certain way. So when we first start, you could, you could say that we just want to get some experience and get started. You know, we just want to get, so we get in, we might take, you know, a more, I don't want to use the word routine life because every life is unique, but we might just take whatever we can. And then as we evolve and grow, we might take more and more specific goals because now that's something that I would really like to experience and learn. Now, is it, is it possible to take on too much? I mean, yes, there are, unfortunately, well, I don't even want to use the word unfortunate. I don't, I'm not trying to judge this. Uh, in fact, I honor it very much. But there are thousands of people who commit suicide every day. Right. You know, because they have become overwhelmed in, in some way. It could be biological limitations, could be circumstantial limitations that led to biological limitations. It could be upbringing. It could be unforeseen trauma. That what? Well, there's lots of reasons, but. And then the personality might get wrapped more and more and more into a smaller and smaller worldview, a smaller box, a form association that gets deeper and deeper and more and more painful, you know, because the more we associate with the limited, the further and further we actually are going vibrationally from the truth of our being, which is quite free and unlimited and full of peace and joy. So sometimes we get wrapped in patterns so much that the, the weight of the experience may be too great for us. In my case, this fear that I'm here to process, it did best me, you could say, in a previous experience. I was a very not helpful person in a previous life with this fear. And that was how I knew that I had this much fear and that it would be, be beneficial for me to work on because I could see that I had been a very damaging, egoic, you could even say an egoic monster in this previous life. And so now I'm seeking to integrate that same fear. Oh, and, and I'll just... Uh, say one other thing that might be useful. So I, I don't have many specific memories of previous lives, but I do remember being a, a, a woman, a human woman, who had given birth a first time and it had been very painful. And then being pregnant a second time and being terrified of having to give birth and having to go through that pain again. Because that fear is the same exact fear that I experienced in this life laying in a hospital bed in Chengdu after having a heat stroke and having my neurology feeling like it was dying. It, the circumstances are different. It's Both of them were a fear response to being unable to escape pain. You know, that's the fear is my rejection of pain, my rejection of having to suffer. Um, so I went down a, a bit of a tangent there, but I'm just saying in that past, it may have overcome me, but the thing is now it's an opportunity. See, ultimately everything is used ultimately for the good. The system is very efficient. And still, I just want to address what you mentioned that some people are take, making that choice of leaving this life. And many have been thinking about it. Like I just thought, uh, spoke to a doctor who says, said, I hear this all the time. I, I think a lot of people are entertaining that thought even. Uh, 
is that part of the free will as well? Or do you know anything about from what you remember? Do you need to go back and do it all again? Like you, yeah. Or um, do you have any thoughts about suicide? First of all, I'm not making light of of the utter rigor and, and pain that can be experienced in this life. I have experienced incredible pain. I've, I have neurochemical issues sometimes, and I've experienced lows that are so painful. I totally understand why someone would want to kill their body and to, just to get some relief. So I'm, I'm not at all making light of it. That being said, suicide is not an escape. And what I mean is the opportunity is now. We may be very, very, very far down a certain trajectory into pain and into limitation and into an association with believing you are powerless or unworthy or, you know, and look, I have a lifetime to prove it to me and it happens every day. And it's so, I'm not making light of that depth of momentum, but now this moment is a new moment, a new moment to change the momentum and to stop and to pause because your true nature is deeper than all that horror and pain. Your true nature is love and freedom and joy. Okay, I know that's a mighty step, a grand canyon between the darkness of deepest depression and, and the native love and joy. That vibrational distance is ridiculously huge. But in that distance is the opportunity to surrender, to accept, to choose something new, to choose maybe service to another instead of fretting over yourself or something for a moment. I don't mean to make light of that. Or to choose to do, to choose joy in some small way. Or to choose simply to endure even the pain and to know that it's temporary and it will get better. It will go away. It's not who you are. The pain is not who you are. You could say depression is like a lie. It's like a neurochemical lie. <laughs> I know that when you're in it, you can't feel good. You can't even feel good. I understand. But you could say that even there, you get to wield an intention. You get to wield a state of being in that. And, you know, it's like uh, there's a Bashar quote I, I love. Circumstances don't matter. Only state of being matters. And you get to choose your state of being in any moment. You can, you can shift that momentum. Okay, so now to your question, you know, uh, what is that? What's the implication of suicide? I, I, I cannot possibly you know, speak to that in one swoop. I can simply say that where there is yet unaddressed fear, it is beneficial for us to, to go and, and process it and heal it. And so often when we're in the depths of the darkness is the most valuable opportunity. And um, so it is valuable to stay and to do everything that we can to meet that. That being said, I'll also say that unconditional love is unconditional. It's not like you get to the other side and it's, oh, you, you messed up. It's, you know, <laughs> no, those on the other side, they see the pain, the rigor. They, it's like if someone goes to Mount Everest and climbs Mount Everest and they're like, it's cold up here. Yeah, it's, it's cold up on Mount Everest. Are you, do you feel like if they come back down and they didn't make it all the way to the summit, do you judge them and say, oh, you didn't do well enough? <laughs> no, <laughs> we understand. They tried something incredible. They tried something mighty. <laughs> and that's how it is for, to, for to, be, to be human, and especially to be human into certain depths of darkness. It's like climbing Mount Everest. 
Yes, it's cold and there's no air up there. The question is, what do you do with it when it's cold and there's no air? You're not going to, it's not like you can fail. You can't fail climbing Mount Everest. You, you know what I mean? Whether you make it halfway up or all the way to the summit, it's a valuable experience either way. And then later you get to choose. You get to choose if you would like to return and do it again. Yeah. I, uh, when I was very depressed in my 20s, I had some thoughts around it, um, but I had a family that I loved and I, I just knew I could never do it, but I, I wanted to just escape the pain yeah. of not, not feeling anything and not seeing uh, any hope in my life. But I had a thought like, what if in the future, there's something in store for me, you know, and I would regret this. And here I am today, you know, doing something I never thought I would do. And I wouldn't have done this if I wasn't depressed. I would yeah. never done. I would never have asked the big questions. So it started this spiritual uh, journey for me. And now, you know, I have this platform and sharing these messages and That's I just, yeah, I feel that life is so brilliant. So today I see the purpose with my depression. Yeah, and a lot of, a lot of people who experience depression or other neurochemical imbalances are the most spiritually sensitive oh. among us, All right. you know, because there's different depths to which you can dive into the physical. Um, there are different depths of, of experiencing even physical contrast. Like I'm a very sensitive person. So I experience things more intensely <laughs> than the average human being. There's so many substances, even sources of light, you know, things that I can't tolerate that other people have no problem with. But see, all the contrast is valuable. So I'm just saying that it's often the spiritually mighty, the strongest among us who go all the way into the dark. And I've heard Natalie Sudman, the near-death experiencer, she referred, she said that in her near-death experience, she saw that humans, especially those, you know, who are doing these great challenges, are seen like fighter jet pilots who are flying their jets upside down 20 feet off the ground. <laughs> you know, just incredible, incredible um, acts of expression and creativity and, and growth and, and, and ultimately the service of love and joy. That is who we are and that love and the joy that we are, it cannot be truly overcome. It is not like the, the deepest, darkest depression is not deeper than it. Like no matter what kind of image you put on a movie screen, you can't actually harm the screen. You can't actually get deeper than the screen. <laughs> and similarly, if we allow and fully feel even the deepest darkness and fully forgive ourselves and fully forgive those around us and fully honor the journey we've had to come this far, holy crap, hmm. we really honor it, really feel it, feel it all. You can process all that here and grow in, in that way. And, and now forever, you can know that depth, that new space that you, I don't want to use the word, carved out in, in experience space, you know, that you can heal and grow through that. And when we do that all the way, there is only peace and love and joy left. Love and peace and joy is always possible, even if we are in a moment of absolutely incredible pain and hopelessness. Beautiful. What, what is the meaning of life from your perspective? The simplest way to put it is love. Love is the reason the, the, the physical universe is the, the purpose of it is the expansion of love and joy through the integration of experience 
and through choice making, seeking to make choices out of love rather than fear. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It has been such a joy speaking with you, Christian. Thank you so much for sharing. I, uh, I watched your show back in the day, you know, before I, I had even shared my experience, but I don't know, four oh, or five wow. years ago now. I loved your show and I was encouraged. And every time I see people share, I think there's, I meet a lot of people now that reach out to me and they share their experiences. We are not alone. Like there are a lot of people out there who have experiences and they just don't, they don't know. It's okay. Like we, it's as normal. You know, we really are spiritual beings having a human experience. And so many people just don't feel like there's a way, a way they can share it or that it can be validated. So I really appreciate that. Like all those little nudges of seeing like your show and, and watching um, like Buddha at the gas pump. That was another one yeah. that was helpful for me. Um, you know, that's, that's really valuable work because th this type of activity, sharing the real message and helping to remind people of who we really are, this is the real work. Consciousness is first, the form is second. So if we can find that love and that peace and that joy and meet our own crap, and encourage people to do that. We are healing the world. It's, it, this is the real, this is the real place yeah, to do that. It's the same for me. Like uh, I just told you, it's a bit personal. The, uh, it was part of me that lost some curiosity for a while. And then I started listening to sort of near-death experiences and I came over your experiences and all of a sudden something opened up within me again and I started becoming curious again and I think there's a reason for everything because I had to build my company now we have a membership we have online courses I really had to sort of step into the businesswoman and uh, make decisions and create the company it was a lot of hard work but now that that's sort of in place I feel like I have the space again to be curious again and yeah so that's I, wonderful I, and that's okay if it comes and goes that's okay you know? <laughs> so um, how can people reach you? What are you working with? I don't even know actually what you're doing. I just read your book, but like, what are you doing for a living? Are, are you working yeah. with this? Yeah, right now, well, so right now I work full time as a project manager for an insurance company, <laughs> but I intend to move away from that. Yeah. I did project management for a nuclear valve and pump manufacturing company for 16 years, took six months off. But I, but this is, uh, I'm so passionate about this work and I do intend to move. I am in the process of moving more and more into this space. It is such a joy filled work. I've got to meet so many amazing people and, um, uh, yeah. So, so how can people reach me? So I have a website, a walk in the um, there's a book page. My book is available online for free as a readable PDF on Google books. Just go to the third link down on the book page. It's also on Amazon and uh, print or Kindle or audiobook. Um, you know, it's not about money. I just I want to share the message. And if you'd like to email me, I'm happy to try to respond. I'm sorry. Sometimes I get so many emails. I just cannot respond to everybody. I apologize. Um, but um, I'm happy to, to respond to as many as I can. It's a walk in the physical at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Christian, for your wonderful work and for showing up today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. If you want to become more who you are and live in alignment with your soul's purpose and explore a deeper meaning with your life, then you are most welcome to join Wisdom from North membership. If you want to go deeper, you can find all our English online courses and programs at wisdomfromnorth.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube just by searching for Wisdom from North. Until the next episode, much light from here.